Welcome to the Wonder of It All podcast, where we are learning how to live in the sacredness of wonder. Thank you for listening. My name is Angela, and here's your host, my dad, Ben Brewster. Take it away, Dad. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Thank you, friends, for listening. Uh, thank you for supporting this through your kind comments, uh, through the feedback that we've received. One of the things we're trying to do in this podcast is is to be a voice of hope, to share some good news, to, to remind us that we have a reason to be optimistic. Of course, being positive and optimistic doesn't mean ignoring the challenges and the struggles that we face. It's about being real, seeing these deep struggles and these issues and these problems and talking about them, having the difficult conversations that we, a lot of times we try to avoid uh, because they can be painful in the interim, but the road to healing is a painful road. And so I appreciate the guests that have been on this podcast, the honesty, the transparency. We have had people share some extremely painful things about their lives and they've put these out on the table and they've talked about them and i hope that has blessed you and i I hope that has encouraged you to be transparent uh, to not bury the struggles that we each have but to talk about them because as an old saying goes we're only as sick as our secrets and so to get to that place of healing, it's a process. And part of that process is having difficult conversations, is talking about our struggles and and the things that scare us and, and, and have given the most pain in our lives. So if you haven't gone back and listened to episodes, I encourage you, go back, listen to them. These are real people having real conversations, and what a blessing, how refreshing it is to see this kind of honesty and transparency. Uh, Today, we have no guest on the show, so I'm flying solo, and there's some things on my mind and heart that I want to share with you today. This is inauguration week here in in the United States. Uh, We are preparing to um, see our 46th president inaugurated. That's pretty, pretty amazing considering that later this year, America will celebrate her 245th birthday. So in the span of 245 years, we've had, well, getting ready to add a 46th president. Now, as we look at these 46 presidents, everybody has their favorites and everybody has the ones they did not like. But it's fascinating to me, the system that we have in in this country and how this system has continued. Now, this year, there seems to be more drama surrounding uh, the inauguration. And that's troubling in in, in a lot of different ways. We saw last week uh, the events in Washington, D.C. 
we saw a mob of people storm the Capitol. We, we saw violence being done. We've seen videos that reporters have posted and, and all those things have disturbed us. In fact, this week we see a, an incredible presence by the National Guard in Washington, D.C. in preparation for Wednesday's inauguration. And those images are concerning. Uh, the rhetoric that we hear is troubling. And so really we're at a time now where Look, there are some very difficult issues that are facing us as Americans, and it's important that we have these conversations. And look, I don't think those conversations are going to come through cable news channels or through radio, because when you look at so much of the information that's shared with us, what is labeled news is really commentary. The other day, my youngest daughter and I were we're flipping through the stations on the radio and we came across a, a morning show and we began listening. And there came a segment in the show where a, a nationally known political commentator uh, had a, a little brief segment of, I don't know, a minute, a minute and a half. And we listened to it and I asked my daughter, what do you think about that? And she began to, to share some of her initial thoughts. And one of the things that Mindy and I have tried to do with our kids is to, to encourage them to be discerning. Because throughout our lifespans, we are going to hear so many different voices. An incredible, can we even count the number of opinions that we will hear in the course of our lifetimes? So we don't want to just take everything as truth. We, we need to be discerning. And one of the ways that we can be discerning is when we listen to someone, we ask, what is the agenda here? What is driving this person's comments? What is the angle from which this person is coming? Now, sometimes we'll listen to commentators who tell us that everyone else in the media is trying to deceive us and, and, and to, to manipulate us. But in the process of doing that, they're engaging in the same behavior that they are condemning. And so this is why it's important for us to be discerning about what we hear. Uh, when you look at cable news channels, this cycle of 24-7 news, I'm not sure how healthy this is for us because some of these, you're looking at 50, 60, 70% of their content is commentary. Now, it's, it's people that you hope are making well-informed conclusions or statements, opinions, but in the end, it's their opinions. And, and so it's not strict reporting of the news. It's not just the strict who, what, where, when, why, and how uh, that we were taught to look for in news stories. There's so much more commentary now, and that commentary can be healthy. It can, it can lead to healing, or it can be divisive. And a lot of times, uh, what I found in my personal experience, and, and maybe your experience is different, is that a lot of the political commentators, they know who their audience is, and they cater to that audience. And so, in one way, division profits them. And so we need to be dis, uh, discerning on that front as well. Um and, and to look for the things that unite us and to speak words that are healthy and healing. So 
this week uh, or today, I was looking at the um, the headlines on the AP Newswire. I've pretty much phased out cable news, and I go strictly to uh, something like the AP Newswire because I want to see what the new what the um, the headlines are for each day. And here's the headline for one story today. FBI vetting guard troops in D.C. amid fears of insider attack. And the story is about how defense officials here in the United States are worried about some sort of insider attack or, or an, some other threat uh, that will happen during the inauguration. And so what the FBI is doing is vetting all of the 25,000 National Guard troops that are expected to be in Washington, D.C. for the inauguration. Now, that is an incredible undertaking. Uh, there's a lot of work uh, being done there. But according to the story here, this is in response to um, what happened on January 6th with uh, the uh, the rioters at the U.S. Capitol. And and what it what shows us is there's a lot of fear. There, there's a lot of trepidation right now in our country over events. Uh, that are happening. Now, the good news, uh, the Army Secretary is quoted as saying that uh, there's been, they found no evidence of any threats. And so far, the vetting has not, I'm quoting here, flagged any issues that they were aware of. And so, so that's, that's good news. And, and certainly, we want to pray for a peaceful transition of power, because that has been a, a unique feature of this country uh, for years. And so, so that's what we're hoping for. But be aware this week about the negative voices. Be aware, whoever you listen to, that there is an agenda, there is an angle, there is a bias. And keep that in mind as you filter the information that you receive, the commentary that you listen to. Look, God gave us brains. Don't turn off your brain. Don't just become a blind follower, but use your brain, think about it, meditate on it, discern what is being shared before reaching any conclusions. Uh, we're in a day and age where everybody in the, it seems like a lot of people, I don't want to say everybody, because there are some really good journalists out there and they are working hard to do their job and to share with us the facts and the stories. And I commend them and I applaud them. I'm not talking about those individuals. I'm talking about the people who, who primarily um, market in political commentary. So be very careful about what you listen to and what you hear, uh, because sometimes people will make statements that are inaccurate and they'll put a statement out there and later it will be shown to be inaccurate and there will be a very small printed or, or they may mention it in a segment very quickly, some sort of acknowledgement, maybe even an apology. Hey, I, I got this wrong. Look, that happens sometimes and we need to be aware of it. So another thing that we're celebrating this week in the United States is Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Uh, of course, uh, Martin Luther King Jr., the civil rights leader uh, in the 60s, uh, who was assassinated in Memphis, Tennessee, on April 4th, 1968, uh, left a lasting mark on this country. One of the things I've seen recently uh, with leaders is how we try to discredit people 
whom we don't like. And we often try to discredit them by looking for moral lapses, uh, looking for the dirt on them. And so recently I've seen some people share some dirt on Martin Luther King Jr. Now, for me personally, this does not in any way discredit his message. Look, everybody has skeletons in their closets. Everybody has moral imperfections. And, and to think that there are leaders out there that don't, we're, we're deceiving ourselves. And certainly we don't applaud these moral imperfections. They concern us, but we recognize as human beings that we have these own moral imperfections in our, in our lives as well. And so we look for the good that people did and, and the good that people left behind and the messages that have encouraged us to gravitate toward the better angels of our nature, to borrow a, um, a statement that uh, Abraham Lincoln made in his first inauguration address. Uh, I found this interesting about uh, Martin Luther King Jr. This comes from uh, April 1963. And uh, he he shared this strategy for changing culture in a book called Why We Can't Wait. And so, for example, the Birmingham, Alabama protest, if you wanted to participate in these, uh, you had to sign and follow what Dr. King called uh, the Ten Commandments associated with the movement. And so I wanted to look at, at these uh, for a few minutes today. Uh, the first one is to meditate daily on the teachings and the life of Jesus. When you look at the, the ministry of Jesus and, and you look at how often he, he talked about peace and what he did to work for peace, and he shows us that peace isn't just turning a blind eye to, to the evils of society, but it, it's the way that we conduct ourselves. And uh, of course, one of the, the staggering statements for me in which Jesus conveyed pieces when he was before the Roman governor Pilate. And uh, he told Pilate that my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my followers would fight to keep me from being handed over. That's important because Jesus showed a, a way of, of pass. I don't know if we would call it pacifism. Maybe we would, but a peaceful way of living and working for change. And of course, um, my bias here as as a Christian is that that I believe Jesus kind of sets the standard and the model uh, for how we should approach life and how we should interact with other people, even people who differ from us. Now, sometimes Jesus is criticized because people will, will uh, bring up a, a passage in, in the New Testament where, where he says, I did not come to bring peace, but to bring a sword and, and to divide people. When you look at the context of that passage, uh, Jesus is is talking about um, how people are going to respond, and, and not everybody is going to respond well to this good news, particularly people who profit from division or profit from some other understanding or, or some other uh, a system that has, has profited them and benefited them. And, and so uh, that tends to be, I think Jesus is referring more to the response that people will have. He's not telling his followers uh, to do violence at all. That's not what Jesus is saying. And, and so that's a very important point 
uh, to make. So as we look at how we protest and how we address uh, the evils of our society, uh, we want to start with, with a basis, a foundation. So for Martin Luther King Jr., it was the teachings and the life of Jesus in this nonviolent protest. I mean, Jesus was eventually crucified, and there was no uprising. Uh, the only one who drew a sword was Peter, and Jesus told him to put the sword back. Uh, that's not what we're going to do. Go. So a second thing that in, in the Ten Commandments, number two here, according to MLK, is remember always that the nonviolent movement in Birmingham seeks justice and reconciliation, not victory. We've heard a lot about justice within the last 12, 13 months. We've seen people march for it. We've seen protests uh, throughout 2020. Uh, we've talked a lot about what is justice and why is justice so important and trying to acknowledge that sometimes there are systems put in place that benefit some people uh, while keeping other people at a disadvantage. And so we look at these and, and we try to understand how we can better improve um, our systems. Now, this is hard to do when we benefit from a certain system. Look, whenever we're benefiting, we don't like it when there's a threat to that. And so I think what Jesus calls us to do is to look around and to see who is being left behind. And, and the people that Jesus encountered in his ministry were people who were being left behind. Now, hand in hand with justice is reconciliation. And this is important because we can adopt a mindset where we become very militant and we want to promote whatever our agenda is to the exclusion of all other agendas. And so we can become divisive even while we say we're trying to work for unity. And, and this is a this is a a temptation that anybody faces who works for unity is to adopt the methods and the rhetoric that propagate division. And we can do that as well. So we want to be very careful about our rhetoric and to make sure that we don't succumb to the temptation to use methods and rhetoric that actually encourage division. Reconciliation is the goal here. Who is divided in, in our society? How can we bring people together? Now, Washington, D.C., our politicians, for the most part, have done a horrible job at showing us reconciliation. That's not all of them. But the, the most prominent voices, and, and this is very concerning because when we see our leaders unable to come together, then that carries through our individual communities. So we, we want the goal to be reconciliation, not to be vic not, not victory. That's not the goal. Now, when, when I do premarital counseling with uh, couples, uh, one of the things we talk about is how to fight fairly. And by fight, I'm talking about arguments. 
because every couple is going to get in arguments. They're not, they're going to get to a point where they don't see eye to eye and there's a healthy way to argue. And there's a very destructive way to argue. There's a way to argue in which we can convey our viewpoints, listen to each other, validate each other. But then there's another way where we can just blow our top and do an immense amount of damage. So one of the things that we teach that I, when I sit down with, with engaged couples is that the goal of an argument is not winning. It's not saying I was right and you were wrong. The goal is some sort of reconciliation. How can we come together on this issue in which we found ourselves disagreeing? That is the goal, not victory. And when you look at the teachings of Jesus, what I find is his goal is reconciliation. In fact, when you look at throughout the Bible and you look at various commands that are given in the pages of the Bible, the goal seems to be reconciliation. It seems to be redemption. Not The goals are not punitive, but the goals are, are in line with healing and shalom, a, a complete peace, reconciliation. And I think that's one of the things that, that Jesus has shown uh, through his teaching and through his life that of how to try to bring people together and how to bring people into fellowship with, with our creator. Uh, so the third one here is to walk and talk in the manner of love for God is love. In fact, uh, when we look at the story of Jesus, the, the whole motivation is love. Uh, the Bible spells this out. Maybe you've heard this verse, John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Uh, the agenda that God has is not punitive. The agenda is love. This is why God created. This is why God sent Jesus. Um, this is what we find in, in the pages of the Bible. And we're called to have the same agenda for our lives. And that goes back to what Jesus refers to as the greatest commands, to love God and to love your neighbor as yourself. What happens when our agenda is pure, unselfish love. Okay, a fourth command here is to pray daily to be used by God in order that all men might be free. I love the emphasis on prayer. Start with prayer. Seek God's voice. Say, look, God, I need you to lead me today. I, I want to do what's right. Because we need to safeguard our hearts because our hearts will gravitate toward what we desire or what we want. And sometimes that's not always in line with what Jesus calls us to. And we get off track. So that's a great reminder. Uh, how about this one, number five? Sacrifice personal wishes in order that all men might be free. That's a tough one because... If I find that my lifestyle is very comfortable and I'm doing fine, we typically, I typically initially resist something that's going to upset what I feel like I've established. And this is a tough lesson for us. And, and it's one that I'm continually learning. 
because following Jesus is not about my comfort. It's not about having a nice house and a nice neighborhood and having money in, in the checking account and having a big retirement set up. Those things weren't the things that mattered to Jesus. You remember one time he said he didn't even have a place to, to lay his head. He, he never owned a house. He never owned property uh, or money. And so it's a good reminder that that sometimes we have to sacrifice what our personal wishes are to do what is right and good. Uh, how about this one, number six? Observe with both friend and foe the ordinary rules of courtesy. One of the things that have, have turned me off from religious debates years ago, I would read them or listen to them, and I got turned off by what I felt was one or both people abandoning common courtesy. Civility was tossed out the window. Look, when we talk with people who we disagree with, if we talk in a way that does not reflect, at least for Christians, that does not reflect our belief in Jesus, then we discredit everything we say. We have to learn how to be courteous even when we disagree. We have to learn how to be civil to each other even when we are on opposite sides of the fence. There is a way to do this to make our arguments, to lay out our case, and to still be kind and civil and courteous. Uh, number seven, seek to perform regular service for others and for the world. Look, very few things bring people together more than service. If we're going out building a house for somebody who has no roof over their head, then they're going to be more concerned that what we do that our two-by-fours line up more than our views line up. Service helps bring people together. Serving in a soup kitchen, uh, serving in a medical, free medical clinic, uh, going out to homeless encampments, whatever it is, serving brings people together. When we do this on a regular basis, there's so much healing that can take place. Uh, number eight, refrain from the violence of fist, tongue, or heart. Wow. Th I mean, this is right in line with what Jesus said, because Jesus said he did not encourage violence. He said the words we use come from our heart, so we should be very, very careful. So you can make your case. You can stand firm on your convictions without doing violence. Uh, number nine, strive to be in good spiritual and bodily health. Great advice here. Look, health is not just about physical. It's not just about exercise and eating right. It's also about mental health and emotional health and spiritual health. And, and, and for me, I think everything is spiritual. So we, we sometimes categor, categorize our lives like, like I just did by breaking down health in all of these segments. But if we are truly spiritual beings who are housed in physical bodies, then everything is spiritual. And number 10 here, follow the directions of the movement and the captain on a demonstration. So you want to, to, to have leaders in place who are going to abide by all of these. And look, if we're going to follow some people, let's follow people who are worthy of being followed. Let's follow people 
who reflect that God is love and walk and talk in that way. Let's follow people who meditate daily on the teachings and, and the life of Jesus. Let's pursue reconciliation and not victory. Uh, let's be willing to sacrifice our personal wishes for the good of all people. You know, that was a that was a statement. That was a um, actually a, a philosophy that the Apostle Paul taught when you read throughout the New Testament. He said, he reminded us that everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. So we have freedom, okay? I have the freedom to do a multitude of things within the boundaries of the law, but not everything that I choose to do is going to be beneficial, is going to bless others. So one of the mindsets we have as Christians is to do things that bless others, not just ourselves, to be unselfish and to be giving and blessing others. So the Ten Commandments of the movement that Martin Luther King Jr. was a part of, I think they're worthy for us to look at and to talk about and to meditate on uh, because we need uh, to be reminded uh, to not fight evil with evil, but to always fight evil with good, to always bless when we are cursed, and to not betray our faith in the heat of the moment. So I encourage you this week to go put these in place in your own life. Be an agent of healing. Speak words that bring life and hope and peace. Aim for reconciliation, not just on a national stage, but in our communities, even in our homes with the, the most close, the closest relationships that we have. I hope you have a great week. Keep the faith, keep trusting, keep believing, keep working for the good. Take care of yourself until next week.